Preaching is worship, Lord God, and I've studied that before. As we worship you in the word. Lord God, what a way to worship you, Lord God, as we get into your word. And I pray right now, Lord God, for everyone here, Lord God, that would be enlightened and illuminated through your word. And Lord, dealing with uh, stewardship, Lord God, this being stewardship month, Lord God, that you would allow those, Lord God, perhaps that are new, Lord God, to understand, Lord God, that uh, anything, Lord God, that of value, we've got to pay a price. And Lord, you're the greatest, greatest value that we value here on earth. We ask it all in Jesus' name. This is the point of your word, 36, 100, full. Anybody together said? Amen. Amen. Greet one another one more time with love of the Lord, please. Greet one another. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Prior to your being seated. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out. Hallelujah. To the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9. And I mentioned on Sunday that I was going to be speaking a sermon, and I have it here, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, and uh, how low can you go? But I'll, I'll, I'll save it and I'll can it for <clears throat> sometime next year. Praise God. In that, when I was at my house, and God was dealing with me, I was there in my house, and uh, the joke since Sunday already in my house had been, you already preached that sermon on Sunday. In that, I told you the whole thing just about. Uh, when I was preaching, uh, you know, I gave reference to it on Sunday. And so I, I made mention about it. And my daughters kept raving me. My wife kept raving me. You already preached a whole sermon. So I'm going to keep it in the can. You added, I can. Uh, and so I'm going to speak a sermon here today. And I, I just grabbed it, you know, and, and, and I was checking it out right now. And, but I feel led of the Lord to do this. There's more of a teaching on finances but it's, I would consider it, when it comes to uh, uh, teaching on finances, a classic for me. It's entitled, Goodbye Tobiah. Okay? Goodbye Tobiah. Some of you may remember, you probably don't. But if you do, even if you do, this is, a, this is a, a study, I think, that we really need to get under our belt. Especially when it comes to finances. Because the enemy is a great big liar. Uh, and, I mean, he's a, and then when it comes to money, especially. But <clears throat> in my prayer, I said, anything of value, you've got to pay a price. And if you value the Lord... The Bible says you'll bring your first fruits unto the Lord. And, and, and listen, the Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. What we're doing here, we're instructing you how to put yourself in blessings way that God will bless your life. And I would dare say, man, uh, you know, if, if you have trouble with finances, a lot of people do. Check out the life of an individual that, that is a giver. Watch. I mean, uh, uh, for one, he ain't slender. By and large, by and large, you know. <laughs> uh, in other words, he's a wholesome, or she is a wholesome individual. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for it. God takes care of business. Uh, we must be about his, when we take care of his business, he'll take care of ours. So, I'm more of a preacher than a teacher. I'm going to try and teach. I'm going to teach a little bit in the beginning, but then I know, because I know a lot about Tobiah. And once I get going around the middle of it, you know, I'm not wearing a jacket so I can take off my jacket. But, but the principle, it's a principle that I, I encountered many years ago, and God just gave me some. I'd never heard nothing on this before. And God just gave it to me. So those of you that are new, again, as I prayed, let this word illuminate you, and let it, let it be a part of you. Understand what it, how it comes. When it comes to giving, how important, how vital it is. What can happen in your house when you're not tithing? All right, that, that's how we're going to end up. Okay? What happens in your house when you're not giving unto God what it rightfully is? And believe me, you don't want to be there. Uh, and I think since I first got here 18 years ago, since the first offering that I prayed in a rally, we had the Duke of Earl. I mentioned the fact that the reason why our neighborhoods are in, and our barrios are in the circumstances, situations they are today is because we're robbing from God. 
And I pray that you would understand that. I mean, a lot of us, people like to stay even home from church that we don't have to pay their tithes that week. Uh, I mean, we, we feel, look, and I kept it to myself. No, you didn't. You're putting yourself in harm's way rather than putting yourself in blessings' way. How many want to be blessed of God? Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, how many have 2 Corinthians 9, 11, 9? Verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. By the way, right after this, I, I got to catch a plane. And uh, we're finally getting a vacation here, my wife and I. And this was not even planned by us. It was planned by the, by the, by the overall ministry. And that it's Pastor Sonny's birthday. We were down there this past week. Man, we had a blast. We had a, we had a good time. And I took the guy from Malo with me, and then also Daniel Hurd, who works for Mario Morello Ministries, who traveled with Ron Canoli for four years. He was Ron Canoli's booking agent. He went all over the world with Ron. And uh, plus, prior to that, he did a work with a number of individuals. But now, for about the last year, he's been with Mario Morello. I took him and, and, and uh, the, uh, the head of the group called Bueno. Okay, they're not Malo no more. Malo's still together. All right? But, and he plays with them. Gigs. You know? He signed country gigs. But he's also starting a new group called Bueno. And I took both of them down there, and they were all excited, man. That one guy from Malo, you're going to meet him, uh, Tony Minjavar. You'll, you'll meet him because he's going to be coming here periodically. They'll, they will be playing with us on January the 2nd. January the 2nd, the group Bueno will be with us. Uh, how many saw them at the Cow Palace? Yeah. Well, they were all right, huh? Bad. Uh, Malo means bad. But they were good. Uh, they were buenos. And uh, uh, along with Sheila, but Sheila is not going to be with us that day, okay? We're having the play... Uh, from the mother church called Keep It Real, all right? It's a bad play. They just, they just uh, the newest play in Victory Outreach. It's a hip-hop kind of a play, okay? And so uh, they're going to merge along with the, the play, also with Milo. But when I took them down there, you know, uh, uh, right away the guy goes, is there any, you know, Latin groups that, uh, that uh, you know, are, are on par with uh, Kirk Franklin or, 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 or uh, Hammond? What's his name? Jeff Hammond? Fred Hammond. Oh, Jeff Hammond's my friend from Indonesia, that's right. Hallelujah. Well, I'm more into, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> but is there any group? And I said, mm. you know, I said, well, no, you know, Jackie Velasquez, and she's with, the, there used to be a group called the Latinos. He goes, I remember them. He said, I heard about them. You know, but he didn't know the song, The Party's Over. I said, oh, brother, get with it. Keep it real. You know? Uh, and, uh, uh, but I said, no, not really. You know, Jackie Velasquez, she's crossed over and all that stuff, and she's related to the Latinos. And, but then when we landed, we were driving. I said, you know what? I'll take that back. There, there's, I think there's a group that, that would, that's pretty good. But you're not going to hear them like, because tonight we're going to have fun. See, they said they were going to go to church service. They, they came with their suits. I said, no, no, no. It's not a church service. We're going to go have fun. I mean, having fun is, is, is like, you know, priority in Christianity. Uh, we're having fun. Uh, it's right in the Bible, you know. And uh, uh, so... They didn't really know what to, to expect. And then I took them into the church. I, but before I got to the church, I told them, listen, you know, there is a group, but I don't think they're going to play tonight. That's Pastor Sonny's worship team. They're bad. Uh, and so I took them to the church, and they were, they were amazed. How many of you have ever been to Pastor Sonny's church? It's the largest seating church in the greater downtown Los Angeles area. It'll seat 4,000 people. It's huge. Big. But you know what? I was with Sonny a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at it, and I said, you know what, Sonny? It looks small already. And it seats 4,000. But for what we're doing down there, I said, it's already looking small, Sonny. You know? You know, and uh, for him, for what they're doing, you know, uh, and uh, but they look, I mean, right away, Daniel Hurd being a businessman and being a uh, booking agent, he, he right away goes, you know how much every rose on that and those tables cost? Because every table had a rose, beautiful rose. That's just the rose. Because, uh, man, uh, you know, they were, they were tripping. And they came, we had the party, they met Pastor Sonny, and then, you know, they sat with Willie G, who sang for Milo. 
uh, with Pastor Gilbert, uh, your Nino. They sat with him, and they had good fellowship. And Gilbert drove them around the rest of the night, took them from me, stole them. Hallelujah. Uh, Gilbert has priors for that. Is the tape running? Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so, you know, they were, they were amazed. Then we went to Manuel Ali's house, because that's where we were staying. And we put on that tape. We had little Ricky sing first. They, they did a tape down in Los Angeles called House of Praise. All, all they, they didn't have church, they didn't have a, a, a preaching that night. They just had worship and, and they just led. It was, it, was, it was a powerful, powerful tape video. Okay, and so it was called House of Praise Night. And it was packed out, over 4,000 people that night. Stephanie was in the front row from what they tell me. How'd you swing that, sister? She was at the UTC at the time, huh? I kept looking for her hair in the video, you know? Uh, but we, we, we started it with little Ricky. We fast forwarded it. And little Ricky was going to be coming here. They, they were amazed. How old is that kid? 10 years old. You know, right away, Daniel's a Brooklyn agent. He's like, ooh, this guy bad. At the end, at the end of the, of the uh, 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 House of Praise tape, both of them, they both looked at each other. We were packed. Amanda was there, little Mando, and um, uh, Jimmy, Stevan. Stevan, you were there. Hallelujah. Good to have you back, bro. Hallelujah. Uh, he can partake with, with things with that. And they got up and they said, we have never seen nothing like this. They were both amazed. The guy's been 18 years in Malo. Uh, he knows all kinds of things. He says, young man, you got a unique voice. Man. And then Daniel said, Daniel heard of the booking agent. He says, listen, if I was any other agent, I, I would grab that video and I'd put it under me and I'd say, bye. God bless you. Had a good he said, I'd market this thing in a hot second. He says, only Fred Hammond is into this. This is this Fred Hammond, so this is bad, which it is. And he's been wanting to come on up. I've been trying to get him. Remember I almost got him here? Remember I was making the announcement? We almost had him for shaking the bait? You, you, don't, you guys don't know what you're in for. It is bad. And he says, well, I didn't want to put it out yet because I want to make it better. He said, better? This thing's bad. Ah. And he says, well, you know what? I'm going to have so-and-so produce two songs. And then the guy from Malo tells him, young man, listen to me. Don't belittle yourself. You are a producer. He told Mando, he said, you're a producer, you're, you're a bad producer. He said, brother, can you produce this thing? And Mando said, well, he was real humble, I don't know. And, uh, but I'm just telling you, we had a time. Uh, and uh, but that's all the stuff that's going on within Victory Outreach. See, and these young men are ministers first. Uh, then they begin to talk about, well, you have something like this, you can sign under contract, you, you get under a record label, and then, you buy, and then somebody maybe like, uh, you know, Capital Records might come and buy you out, or Benson might come and buy you, and give you $30 million, and, you know, because they know the business. They're going to go, turn it, wait, 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 you know. <laughs> uh, but that's where we're headed, people. I just had a meeting with our leaders. That's where we're headed. Uh, there's a number of things that are happening here. And you need to stay abreast. It's very vital, very important. What God wants to do in our church. January 2nd, excuse me, December 31st, I have a sermon right here. I've already been studying for it. All the whole region is going to be there. We've rented Chabot College. We've got the cafeteria. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring out a sermon on where we're headed, what God wants for us this coming, coming new year, okay? So, uh, uh, then I have a sermon on the second called IFO, not UFOs. It's called Identified Flying Object. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Amen? All right, let's get into this. Hallelujah. I got to catch a plane. First, Second Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap how? Gen Each man should give what has been, has been decided in his heart to give. See, that's why the heart is so important. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, if, if you get a friend you don't want to give, keep your money. Ah, go get your big burritos. 
Super burritos, huh? But you're not going to put yourself in blessings way. This is God talking. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, He will supply seed to the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, see, a lot of us spend a lot of time making money, working. So it's, it, it only stands to reason and logic that we should know and be taught about money. If we know that the devil's tricking us, he's messing with us. And we've taught before that the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Jesus quoted that scripture. He, he said, it is more blessed to give. Paul quotes it from Jesus as well. It's more blessed. How many want to be blessed? It's more blessed. And, and when I, I spoke a sermon on that many years ago in, in regards to the fact that a church is known more by what it gives not than what it receives. That's how you, you know that you're very well known in Manila. The mayor knows you. The Victor Eric Hayward has a mean reputation throughout this planet. And getting more so and more so. Uh, but you're not going to get known if you hoard everything. We won't know. How are we known? Because we've sent out missionaries. Because we put, uh, we put our finances where our sandals are. And where our heart is. We've given. Uh, Keith needed sandals when he was over there. I keep still seeing Keith in Manila. Uh, blisters on his feet. But still, like I said, walk. You know how he walks. You know. Let alone with blisters on his feet. But... You know, he was a, he, you know how I know a real missionary? Because when the Americans come, they stick with the Americans because they're going to go to McDonald's. So Keith walked to McDonald's. It's not a big thing for some of you until you're a missionary. And when you know the Americans are coming, the Americans are coming. I don't even know they were there five months. The Americans are coming. Uh, hang around with Pastor Steve. He'll go to McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's how you're known. You yourself, you, you'll be known as an individual, as a giver more than, and God will bless you. But what do you want to be known as? What do we want to be known as? Ah, see, there's a great amount of people that are takers, okay, rather than risk takers. And our church is a risk taking church. Uh, we're out there on the fringes, rather being risk takers or, or, or just takers, hoarders. Uh, see, Acts 20.35 has to do, okay, look at Acts 20.35. A lot, a lot of scripture here today. Before I get into the burn of the message, Acts 20.35. I told you this was more like a teaching, so I want you to keep your Bibles handy. Stephen likes to hear a joyful noise. There it is. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, this verse adds to the fact that when a, you know, that we're, we're supposed to be givers rather than takers. And in 2 Corinthians 9.11 says that we are enriched by God in everything. Everything. There's about four alls in there. And getting back to 2 Corinthians 9.11 now. Okay? And that we're supposed to be liberal. That we're supposed to be givers, not takers. See, genuine Christians are really not supposed to only think, what shall I gain? But we're supposed to have the mentality, you know, of, of what shall I give? Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with the first fruit of your substance. That's what Proverbs 3.9 says. Honor the Lord. In other words, and I've... For a lack of better illustration, but I like this one and I use it all the time. First fruits means guys from the home. 
You ever heard somebody say, you got that coming? What else? Off the top. Uh, anybody here ever done time? I know a few of you have. Huh? We were doing time and, you know, you, you, you go to prison with some guy and he's a fish, first time in prison, and you show him the ropes. Uh, and then you go over there and take care of him real good, get him his, his, uh, uh, get him his cup for chanate and all that stuff and get him by the root down and take care of him. Uh, and so that guy, you know, becomes good friends with you. So when he leaves, what's he going to tell you, Juan? Uh, you're going to turn me on when you get out there. Oh, you got it coming. Off the top. Uh, that means as soon as I see you. That's a lie. Uh, by and large, you know. Especially you're out there and you're running around. Oh, my God. What happened to off the top? Well, <laughs> I don't even got a bottom, bro. Uh, I ain't got nothing coming right now. So you ain't got nothing coming. But God, with God, I mean, he's got it all coming. God will never burn you like a drug addict. God will never, you know, God has plenty. He owns all the cattle and all the hills, the Bible says. So, my friend, when you bring your first fruits, you got it coming off the top. But we're supposed to give to God off the top, too. We're not supposed to treat God like a rumpkin. He says, honor me with the first fruit of your substance. So your barns will be filled. And we've studied this before. What it means is the first fruits that would come from the tree were supposed to be given to God. There was no guarantee there was going to be second or third or fourth fruits. We had to do it by faith. But when you did, I have never seen the right to forsaken nor seed begging for bread. There's going to be plenty of fruit. Ah, plenty of fruit there. But we need to give God the first fruits off the top by faith. And then He'll take care of you. Your houses will be filled. Your barns will be, your cupboards will have food. Ah, that's what God is. Ah. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, Those who honor me, saith the Lord, I will honor. Turn to 2 Chronicles 31.10. 2 Chronicles 31.10. I want to build on something here. 2 Chronicles 31.10. 2 Chronicles is right after 1 Chronicles. Such a nice guy. See, it's very important to understand that if we want God's hand and God's blessings and God's best for our lives, we need to honor and worship God with our tithes and with our offerings. See, some people, when they, be, when they become Christians, take on the attitude of, I can't afford to give. Well, my friend, I'm, I'm proving to you here tonight, you can't afford not to give. If you want to put yourself in blessings way, that's the way it's supposed to be done. But, but you've got to trust God. It has, all has to be done by faith. The first time I ever gave, I gave by faith. You know, I mean, I thought it was the same as everybody else. All they want is your money. Lion devil. Ah, until I found out that this principle works. I mean, God is in the big blessing business. We covered this on Sunday. Okay. But a lot of times our mentality has to change. I call it the wedge principle. You know what a wedge is? You put it in there and little by little by little by little. Well, you put a wedge in your mind. Mentality, when it comes to finances. In the beginning it's hard. Little pico, just, you know. But as we, little by little sermons. And then your mind begins to expand. I mean, right now I'm going to be going on vacation. Finally, hallelujah. Ah. Let me tell you something. I feel a whole lot better now than I did three months ago because then we got to church. Man, for 18 years and 18 months of a building fund, wow. It was like, wow. Now, I, you, know, I'm, you know, really, I feel a whole lot better. Yes, the trials are hard and all, but they're not as bad as they were before because now we got our building. I don't know, but I, I am still very, very excited. I mean, every time I'm at home, I see something that could really go good at the church, but I'm waiting for Josie to leave. <laughs> uh, if I could take her at me over here. Yeah. 
Left, you go, man, that looks familiar. No, 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 it's not familiar. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for the things of God, though. I mean, we got our own place. The Royal Rangers have their own building and all that stuff. Uh, but anyways, right now I'm going on vacation, finally. You know, and this was not planned on me. It was all put on the calendar by Victory Outreach. Not all the pastors were able to go. But, you know, some of us were. I think 70-some pastors are going and ministers, okay? So that's going to be a trip. That's going to be nice. But I, I've told you before how, how the first time I ever went on vacation, I've been saved four years, and Pastor Sonny finally had enough faith to invite Josie's husband to go with him on a vacation. Remember, how many have heard the story? How many haven't? Just one of you. All right, that's enough, that's enough, just one. Uh, I mean, really. <laughs> See, Sonny grew up in the Big Apple, the big city. I grew up in the citrus capital of the world, the Little Lemon. <laughs> He's from the Big Apple, I'm from the Little Lemon, uh, Santa Paula, California. Uh, and, and so, I mean, it ain't easy, it ain't hard to figure the big city guy to figure out a small city guy. I'm sure we shot drugs and both drug addicts and stuff, but, you know, Sonny's like, wow, this guy, you know, Steve, wow. Uh, so after four years, because Josie was like his daughter, I had to ask him for her hand when I, when I you know, decided to say, okay, I'll marry you, let me go ask Sonny. Uh, ay, ay, ay. I remember Josie and Julie were waiting outside, and you know, I told Sonny, right, you know, and he goes, yeah, it's okay, no, I know you want to marry, it's okay. They just stay in here a while. We just wait about 15 minutes, because they're making things like it was real hard. <laughs> I remember that. We were just sitting here for 15 minutes, just talking about baseball and stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, then afterwards, we came out, uh, thank you, Pastor Sonny, you know, thank you, oh, thank you, honor, you know, you know. He said, yes, you know, one of them shots. But anyways, <laughs> four years later, Sonny has enough faith to ask Josie and her beloved husband to go on vacation with him to Acapulco and there we are you know yeah you know Sonny'd been there a few times he's you know he was already learned and all that stuff and you know anybody ever been on vacation especially older I was La Caleta it's a real famous place we stayed there real nice two swimming pools that was big for us back then you know two swimming pools wow you know and uh, 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 so there we are and finally Pastor Sonny says I'm going to go sit by the pool why don't you guys join us? I go, yeah, we'll be right there. But you know, that's funny, I'll be there right now, man. I told Josie, I got to go change. So I went to the room of the caleta. I found some scissors. <laughs> hey, don't, I wanted to go swimming. You can't swim with long pants. So I looked for the worst pants that I had. I had there was a lot of competition. <laughs> I had a big. <laughs> I was from the home, guys. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm over there and mm, I start cutting. You know, I try to get it to here and you know, you know getting over here. You know, getting a pattern. You know, so I come out like that. You know. We're, and I'm not kidding you, I'm not kidding you. And I always tell the story, you know, strings were coming down, you know. <laughs> that worked down real cool, you know. I wasn't used to wearing shorts and cutoffs and all that stuff. Oh, you know, my God, huh? Hey, hey, Pastor Sonny! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a mentality thing. Uh, really, I mean, it's a far cry from that today, but it's only the blessings of God. Because we, it's, it's a mentality thing. Uh, we need to shift our mentality when it comes to finances when we're Christians because the devil's a big, fat liar. Yeah. Uh, so how many have 2 Chronicles 31.10? Yeah. So we cannot afford not to tithe. 
It says there in verse 10. Hezekiah, verse 9, asked the priests and Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. Because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount, this great amount is left over. Now I'm going to start getting into the book of the sermon. Okay. But what a heavy duty verse. Uh, See, they hadn't been tithing. The people had not been tithing up to this point. Okay. And now they started to tithe. And Azariah, the chief priest, dealing with Hezekiah the king, from the family of Zadok, answered. And see, look at it, it mentions the family. So when the family is tithing, come on. Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people. And this great amount is left over. See, here in 2 Chronicles 31, okay, though verse 10 is key. Look at, let's begin reading in, in verse 2. Verse 2 now, down to verse 12. Verse 2. Look at this. It says there, Hezek, do you have it? Stay with me now here. Second Chronicles 31, verse 2. Hezekiah assigned the priests and Levites to divisions, each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to minister, to give thanks and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. The king contributed from his own possessions for the morning and evening burnt offerings and for the burnt offerings on the Sabbath. New moons and appointed feasts as written in the law of the Lord. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the what? First fruits of the grain, new, new wine, oil and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount of tithe of everything. The men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. Man, that's a whole lot of heaping going on. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the what? Heaps. They praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Okay, and we, we find out there. Okay, verse 11. Hezekiah gave orders to prepare storerooms in the temple of the Lord. And this was done. Let me read that one again. This is very important. Hezekiah gave orders to prepare what? Who's following me? Storerooms in the temple of the Lord, and this was done. Then they faithfully brought to the contributions tithes and dedicated gifts. Conan the Magnificent, hallelujah, the barbarian, a Levite, was in charge of these things, and his brother Shemai was next in rank. Here we see Hezekiah, okay, as the king, the shepherd of Israel. He brings Israel back to giving. He brings Israel back to tithing. And that's what a lot of victorious people are called to do with the ministers. We're called to go back into the inner city of the world and get the people back to where we, we need to be. We want to be a blessed people. I mean, I look forward to the day when people from the Hayward Hills want to buy a house in Dakota. Ah, it, can, it can happen. Ah. I mean, when, 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 because God's people are getting back to giving. Ah. But we got to erase our mentality and put in a new mentality. That's what Hezekiah did with the people. He brought them back to giving unto God. Uh, to being a giving nation. A God-honoring people. And thus, when the blessings of God returned to Israel, once again, windows of heaven were opened. See, it's important to understand that giving opens up the windows of heaven. Jump down to chapter 32 now. Jump down to chapter 32. Beginning in verse 5. Very important here. This is like a teaching, but I'm going to end up preaching. 
Second Chronicles 32, verse 5. Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. Jump down to verse 18. Do you have it? Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world. The work of men's hands. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, small g, some of his sons cut him down with the sword. His sons. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Shennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. He took care of them on every side. Look at 27 and 28. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made treasures, treasuries for, for his silver and gold and for his precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuables. He also made buildings to store the harvest of grain, new wine and oil, and he made stalls for various kinds of cattle and pens and flocks. In other words, he created storehouses. Here's where we see the, the, the construction of storehouses within the temple of God. In order to hold all the offerings to God before God. Now turn to Nehemiah 13. And here's where it's going to get good. Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13. Who was the smallest man in the Bible? Nehemiah. Nehemiah 13, beginning in verse 4. Got it? Some of you are still making a joyful noise. It says there, Nehemiah 13.4, Before this, Eliashab, the priest, had been put in charge of the what? Storm or storehouses of the house of our God. He was closely associated with who? Tobiah. What's the title of my sermon? Goodbye, Tobiah. And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles. If you're not following along, hear this again. i got to read that again. Look what it says. This is a sad commentary on God's people. Look what happened here. Verse 5. And he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles. And also the what? Ties. Of grain, new wine, and oil prescribed for the Levite singers and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests. But while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 36th year of... Artaxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later I asked his permission and came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing Eliashab, Eliashab had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I gave orders to purify the rooms and then put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incense. If you read on, you'll see the man. He, he, the guy got mad. He got righteously indignated. The man of God. Okay? Nehemiah. We know by 2 Corinthians 31 that Hezekiah had not only built storehouses, but he also, you know, he has constructed double and triple walls to protect Jerusalem. Are you with me? Did you hear me? He had built storehouses to protect the tithes and the offerings, but he had also built double and triple walls to protect all Jerusalem. 
That's what he had done. He's a good leader. You can tell a good leader by when he takes care of the people. But in studying the book of Nehemiah, we know that Israel was now in the middle of a big dilemma and disgrace, the Bible says, because they had allowed their enemies to destroy their walls. Now, to me, the key in the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah 4.6. It says there in Nehemiah 4.6, he says, So we built the walls of Jerusalem because the people had a mind to build. And that's what we've done here. We've gotten our own building because the people had a mind to build. You've all contributed. We've all put in our finances in order to get this. And it was a miracle how we got this, but it took a lot of faith, prayer, and giving on your part and our part. Okay? People had a mind to build. But then in chapter 13, we see that there was more to do than just rebuild the wall. There was more to do than that. See, Tobiah was one of Israel's key, key enemies. He had been one of the staunch advocates that came against Nehemiah's desire to rebuild the walls. Yet somehow, he had been allowed by Eliashab the high priest to live in the temple in one of the storerooms, or what we call here, one of the storehouses of gods that were made for the tithe. Let me re- explain to you what had happened. They had rebuilt the walls. Nehemiah had taken care of business. He'd come down and rebuilt the walls in 52 days. After that, Nehemiah went back to the king. Back in Babylon. Because he was still in Babylonian captivity. He was on lease from the king. And yes, he came back. The king gave him, uh, allowed him to come and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which he did. In 52 days, then he left and he went back. When he comes back in chapter 13, he comes riding back into the things that he had done. He'd rebuilt the walls. He put the storehouses there. Eliashab, and if you read the account of Nehemiah, Tobiah, Sambalat, and, and Geshem, okay, Goshen, they had been the three arch enemies of Nehemiah. They had given him all kinds of karia. They had given him all kinds of slack, all kinds of, they'd messed with him. So he wouldn't rebuild the walls, but he did it. But Eliashab, being a Jew, he knew that this other man, Tobiah, was the arch enemy of God's people. He was like Darth Vader. That's what he was. He was the arch enemy of God's people. Uh, but now, they give him a house. They give him a storehouse. You know what he did? He, he turned a storehouse into a penthouse. If that doesn't get a man of God's adrenaline going, I don't know what will. Now, Victor Howard has gone into places, that, you know, in Texas, we've done other places, places that used to be bars and nightclubs, and we've turned them into churches. But this is the other way around. This is the, the storehouse of the, you know, they turned God's house into the clubhouse, into a nightclub, a penthouse. Man, what a shame. Okay, let me, let me get you the picture here. See, the enemy was living in the place where the tithe was supposed to be. But there was no tithe. So, well, well, let's just go on. Let me, let me, you know, do you understand what I'm building at? Ah. God gave me this sermon years ago. See, the storehouse was built in a strategic place in the temple. It was also a very, very large and very vast room. But it wasn't a strategic place. It was near the top of the temple. That's where it was built. And here's where the enemy, Tobiah, had set up his headquarters to fight against Nehemiah, to fight against Israel, and the work of God. Chapter 13, verse 8 says that Nehemiah, once he found out, was heavily and righteously indignated. Ah, I mean, just examine the implications. To have the enemy set up shop 
right in God's people's face. Living in a place that was supposed to be a holy place. In other words, he was pulling an in-your-face God. Wow. And God's people were allowing it. Uh, listen, we got to be fighters. I don't know about you, but I think I know who I'm talking to. Many of you, you wouldn't let nobody push you around in the world. First thing you, you know, hey, nah. And your friends would be there too. In a hot second. Get over here, huh? But now we become Christians and all they want is your money. Yeah. Oh, come on. I think one of the reasons God has chosen people like Victory Outreach to get saved is because he knows what kind of you know, mud we're made out of. He knows our heart. And we should be leading in the forefront of this stuff. We can't let the enemy push us around and all that stuff and take the best, the storehouse, turning it into a penthouse. Man. See, Leviticus says that the tithe is supposed to be holy and separated unto God. Remember, even original sin. When Adam and Eve took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were touching the tithe. I've taught you that before. Original sin. What was it? It was Adam and Eve. What did they do? They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's original sin. That's where sin came into, came to earth. And sin came to earth because they touched the tithe. God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees. But this one, don't touch ye mariachi. And I've said that before. God wrote the original MC Hammer song. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Uh, MC Jesus. Uh, can't touch this. So when Adam and Eve partook of that, they touched the tie. They touched what was holy, separated to God. That's why we're not supposed to touch it. That's why we find ourselves all messed up a lot of times. Because we're touching the holy things of God. The holy articles of God. And my friend, we can't be doing that. We put ourselves in harm's way. And here, my friend, in Nehemiah 13, the enemy has once again tricked God's people into touching the tithe. Even to the place where Tobiah was living in a place designed and designated for the tithe. See, Tobiah was a snake. Because by his living in the storeroom or in the storehouse, this caused the work of God to be heavily hindered. How much is the work of God going to go on unless there's finances? There has to be money in the storehouse in order to keep the gospel wheels turning and our fans turning. Hallelujah. I wish it could turn faster. Let me see. Ah, there we go. Now I can preach better. Uh, but it takes money to keep these things turning. And if there's no money in the storehouse, we're giving it all to Tobiah. My God. We got to say, ah, goodbye, Tobiah. Vamonos. And I hope you don't like it. Oh. Ay, ay, ay. See, this was supposed to be God's finances. Those were supposed to contain the tithes that were to be used uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. For God's people to, to run the temple of God. But the temple couldn't be run properly or effectively because now there was not enough substance or finances in the storehouse. Why? Because the enemy was living in the place where the tithe was supposed to be. See, Tobiah, this evening, is alive and well in living in some of your storehouses and some of your storerooms. He is. Some of you here this evening, instead of being tithers, you have Tobiah living in your house. If you're not a tither, then Tobiah's living in your heart. If you're not a tither, then Tobiah's running in your house. Mammon, the God of this world. Uh, really, if you're not tithing, that's what's happening. 
You're letting Tobiah live in the storehouse, the most important part of your temple, because we are the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to live inside of us. But if we're not tithing, maybe, he, maybe you're saved, you're born again, you're, you're going to heaven, but he lives down and, you know, maybe he lives in the, I don't know, maybe you got him in the attic. Maybe you got him in the, the, down in the, you know, what do they call that? Basement. Ah. You won't even let him up to your living room for fellowship. Ah. Keep them out. See, the storehouse where Tobiah lived was... You know, to house a number of the, the things that were supposed to be sacrificed to God. They were supposed to be offered to the Lord. And sad to say, some of us here today, instead of offering this to God, these things, as we should, we can't. Why? Because Tobiah is living in the place where the tithe is supposed to be at as well. Once again, as before, Tobiah was doing all that he could to hinder the work of God. See, he knew. Man, that's the way the devil is. He is so strategic. He tricked Eliashat to get the storehouse. Why is it? Because, man, God's people aren't tithing. I mean, I can imagine how he did it. He comes and he says, hey, buddy, all right, hey, bro, yeah, you know. Yeah, that Nehemiah, hey, he did a good job, uh, yeah. But I, I'd imagine he was like a dignitary and dignified and financially well off. And he conned his way in there and, well, why don't you show me the, the temple? Oh, great, yes, oh, and, oh, that's okay, Children's Church, yes, okay, wow, yeah. Hmm. Okay, the, the, the kitchen, oh, that's nice. Pastor's office, oh, look at this. Now, what is this for? Oh, nah. Yeah, it's supposed to be, you know what? But it's, there's nothing in it. Maybe a $10 bill here or a $20 bill over here. Ain't nothing. Uh, they've got plenty of space in this room. It should be used for something. Can I rent it from you? Free? Thank you. Bro. All right. He conned the guy into using the most sacred holy room in the temple of God. Because there was no tithes coming in. And that's what happens when there's no tithes coming in. There's a lot of churches in the state. Now ours is doing pretty good. We're doing all right. Uh, I think we've reached 30%. People, some people say, no, we have. I, I think we may have. Because the finances are going up. Thank God for that. But some of you that are not... In your house, Tobiah lives there. He's reigning there. You haven't kicked him out yet. And how do you get rid of Tobiah? Tithe. That's it. You die. Then you open up and you cleanse. That's what Nehemiah did. Remember? Then he came in there and cleansed everything. Cleansed it. Goodbye, Tobiah. Let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord. Hallelujah. Are you a poet? Did you finish it? Or, okay, okay, you finished it. Uh, I heard that on the Jeffersons one time, years ago, back in the day. Uh, but that's what we got to do. We got to rise up and get righteously indignated and say, ah, uh-uh, you can't turn God's storehouse into a clubhouse, into a penthouse. Who knows what the devil will do? And you know what the devil does with the tithe. He robs the people from the tithe. And you know what he does with the money. You know what he does with the finances. He turns little girls into drug addicts. Little girls into, into prostitutes. He turns young men into pimps. 
He turns young men into drug addicts. He turns young men into all kinds of stuff with God's money. We can't allow that to happen. We need to get righteously eliminated. How do you kick to buy out tithing? Giving. And you get rid of the, the individual. Huh? Are you with me? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> when the tithing offers go up. Tithing offers go up. Tobiah goes out. Uh, see, when we don't pay our tithes, that's what happens. Uh, and we need to understand that. And I pray that we do. See, you either do like Nehemiah did, kick Tobiah out of your storehouse, or you and I and us will suffer together. Verses 8 and 9 speak of how Nehemiah, like Jesus, would go into the temple years later. Nehemiah went in and threw Tobiah out of God's house. Out cold. Uh, he probably threw him out through the dung gate of the temple. Because uh, there was a, a gate called the dung gate. And with us, we need to do the, do the same thing. We need to go in and get rid of Tobias in our lives. We need to replace whatever is stopping us from tithing to the God and with our tithes. See, Tobiah had the luxury of living right in the middle of God's temple because the room was open and available. Because God's people were not tithing. They weren't bringing in their tithes to the storehouse of God. And that's what happens all the time when we don't bring in the tithes. Uh, God's room becomes vacant. And the enemy can do anything he wants to. Are you, are you getting the picture? See, I'm just teaching here tonight. But man, look at this. I read you the account in Chronicles how the, how the storehouses originated when they built a temple. And what their function and use was for. It's so very vital. I mean, how else are we going to drive out the enemy? Out of our neighborhoods. Out of our hearts. See, giving is such a key tool. The Bible says money is a defense in the book of Proverbs. And it is. You know what we have? We have the minister of defense. Uh, I think it was, you know, all, Americans have that. All, all countries have their minister of defense. But you know what the minister of defense is? He's really the minister of offense. He's the head of the, all the armies. Uh, I think our guy's named Colin Powell. He's the minister of defense. But that means, it doesn't mean defense, just defense. No, no. It means, like, America can get pretty offensive. I mean, we got some heavy duty power. Why? Because. It's a thing called taxes. Taxes. And that's how we build up a, a big defense. People are afraid of America because we have a big defense. Well, that's the way the devil should be with us. When we built up our defense, we can defend ourselves a whole lot better. The enemy knows that. He wants the churches to be a little wimpy church, barely, you know, barely crawling into heaven by themselves. Oh, I made it. Did you bring anybody with you? Huh? I barely made it myself, Jesus. <laughs> See, but when we give, and we, and we moderate and regulate the money the way it's supposed to be done, and this is a very good church. We take our business, and we, we know what we're doing here. Uh, and we know where to put it in. We know how to strategically put this here and there and to get the enemy out of dodge. Goodbye, Tobiah. Uh, but the enemy doesn't want us to understand this. He wants us to have that poor mentality. Oh, me, you know this. No, 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 no. Uh, I told you before, a minister is supposed to raise up men, morale, and money, the three M's. That's my job. If I don't do my job, then I'll get, I have to get out of here. God will get rid of me. I've got to do these. i got to preach the gospel. i got to do these things. It's my job. And I'm going to do my job. But I pray that we will respond, that we'll understand that as well. See, God's people weren't paying their tithes. Verses 10 and 11 shows that the people saw... 
their grave error. They repented and they began once again to bring the tithes to the storehouse where Tobiah had lived. With us, what's it going to be? Tobiah? Or are we going to bring in our tithes? Uh, Tobiah, God, whatever he needs. Is it going to be Tobiah? Or is it going to be our tithes, Tobiah, God, whatever he needs? Little by little, we're getting this place looking sharp. Uh, we have finance. We could, we could help it out more. We could, but I have to be careful with it because we've got to get rid of the second mortgage. We've got to keep that storehouse there. That's what we've been doing. Those of us that have had pledges and all that, we'll put in the storehouse. We can get rid of that second mortgage and the payments will be a whole lot lower. Like I've already been telling you. And boom, we can send people all over the world. And to East Palo Alto, uh, to Napa, other places all throughout here. Tracy needs a church. Uh, all these places. But it's going to take finances. But see, it is more blessed to give than to receive. People will be known. Yakima knows us. We put a church here before. Uh, people, know, people know about us in Colorado Springs, in Manila. People know, they know about Victory Outreach. Wherever we, and we just can't think, you know, locally. We've got to help all the other Victory Outreaches. Put Victory Outreaches all over them and train them. And when they go, we've got to give them their finances. So they can go and do a commendable, a good job. I mean, I look to the day that we can give them all kinds of, you know, their finances right there. Tell them, listen, brother, for the whole year, your money's already in the bank. Uh, we got a storeroom for your finances. It's there. Now go work. Now go. It, it's there. And we'll give you a love offering here the first. Let's, let's go do it. See, we're going to put a church, the second church in Manila with Daryl. I believe United We Can is going to be giving him $500 a month. But I want to give him $500 a month too. I mean, you know, $500 a month in Manila. Because Daryl's a national now. Uh, I mean, he's even got that last, Camber sounds like Filipino last name. Uh, he's a national. Because if you, the first time we sent Richard and Daryl, you know, and Dan, Dan's here today. I mean, we, we took a lot of finances. Not a whole lot, but quite a bit, especially for us. And we, we give them their money. You know, they were fresh from America. But now Daryl, he's been there five years. He can eat half a lumpia a day. And still be buffed. Uh, he's a national now. Uh, we don't have to give him as much now. And now we, after we start raising up the nationals, it only stands to reason, you know. They'll be able, with $500 a month, they'll be able to take cities in the Philippines. Then we'll go into Indonesia, Jakarta, and Korea. I was just in the men's home down in Los Angeles. I took him with me to go, to go preach in El Sereno. They told me, there's a Korean just came in the home. I go, all right. Hallelujah. You know, crazy glue him to his bunk. Keep him there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's get crazy with a crazy glue. Don't let him go anywhere. No, but it's up to God. I'm just kidding. You know, but God does want to keep him there. God's doing it for a reason. Uh, and then I was looking at those young men. They, I took them with me to go preach in El Sereno. There was 10 of them. Only one was older. The other ones were... No, none of them were... They all testified. They were none of them younger than 23 years old. And I'm looking at them. And I was like, man, we're responsible for these young guys. And man, we've got some new stuff that we're doing here in Victory Outreach. They're not going to be working as much as they used to. How many were here for Pastor Sonny's tape the other day? On Monday. Wasn't that powerful? You know what thing, one thing Sonny said was, where did this work thing come into the home? Where did it creep in? It's like a Tobiah that got in. When I was in the home 20, 11 years ago, nine, nine years ago, uh, when I was, I mean, we didn't work. We worked in the house of God. But we studied. We, we, we fasted. We went and evangelized. We hit every neighborhood there was. I mean, I was talking to people the other day. He said, man, you, are you from L.A.? The guy that was taking me to the airport. I go, no. Nah. He says, well, who did, did you, you know all these guys that you ran with them? I said, I didn't run with them. I just learned, I learned about these guys being in L.A. Ah, I mean, I got to meet all kinds of people in the Lord as Christians because we were everywhere. We were evangelizing. 
And we need to be doing that, going to all the courthouses and passing out flyers, going to the jails, you know, going to uh, uh, the hospitals, especially the one of, what the, Highland? I mean, Highland Hospital and the county jail on Thursdays and Sundays. I mean, there's, bar- there's, there's sturgeon there. You know what I'm talking about, Ray? I mean, any fisherman, he, he ain't going to go in some little lake. The sturgeon, where? Striper. Trout. I mean, any fisherman, he, he ain't going to go to some, you know, you ain't going to fish in church that much. But when you're out there, man, where the, where the fish are. But nobody, hardly anybody fishes there. Well, them days are over. I mean, you know, our guys are going to be hitting the streets more. Uh, work, work, we'll work, you know, whenever we have to, whatever, you know, but uh-uh. And we need to understand that. See, we're, we're, into, we're into some things here now. And Pastor Sonny said, how did that work thing creep in? So when other guys were in the home, we didn't need to do that. And we're raising up mighty men of God, as we need to do now. When I saw those ten guys, you thought I forgot them. When I saw those ten guys, I said, man, and all youngsters, and all of them look like leaders. I, told, I gave them the mic each, and I told them, listen, say how old you are, tell them your name, how long you were on drugs, and where you're from. And they say, well, my name, and then all of them would be like this, you know, there were a big line like this, and it started right away, they'd be like this. You know, these guys, okay, my name is, yeah, okay, so, yeah, yes, yeah. And I was, and they, also, they all wanted to preach. They, they, they found their way behind the pulpit. And they go back, and say, my name is, uh, you know, you know, and I'm saying, yes, Jesus. Huh? Man, I, I think the, the, the homes have been the storehouses of God, and we've let Tobiah get in the homes. We've let him get in there, and the working, and the work mentality, and all that stuff. Uh-uh. Listen, devil, we're serving notice on the devil. Uh, we're not going to raise up nine to five lunch people, pick her up, or some of them will be, a lot of them will be, but we're going to raise up preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to go all over the world. That's what the storehouses are for. That's the tithe of God right there. That's wholly separated under the Lord. I didn't know I was going to say that. But that's a fact. That's a fact. So all in all, what are you going to do? You're going to let Tobiah reign in your heart? Or are you going to put Jesus where he belongs? The center of your heart. Right there. How do you get rid of Tobiah? Tithe. Give. Otherwise... Darth Vader's living in you. Huh? That's what it is. Get him out. Kick him out. Goodbye, Tobiah. Because it's for me and my house. We're going to tithe. We're going to serve the Lord. I said it on Sunday. Listen, he's not Lord if you're not tithing. He's, he's your Savior. You're saved. But if you're not tithing, he's not your Lord. He's not Lord until you prove it. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Because every head is bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God moving and ministering.